Praise the Lord. Hey, let's, man, I don't know how I'm going to preach after I just kind of blew my throat out in worship. <laughs> Set a fire, God. Yes. Set a fire. Yes. Down our souls. Yes. Can we just focus our hearts in prayer as we going to turn our hearts in a moment to Luke chapter 21, Jesus' instructions for the end times. Let's pray. God, I ask that you would help us to now bring focus to your word. Lord, we know that the days are seemingly just getting increasingly dark and complex and combative, both in personal relationships, within our own soul, but Lord, even what we're seeing big time around the world. But Lord, there are things that you have stated to your people, your followers, God, that we can take hope in and that we can kind of really base our lives upon to make sure, Lord, that we are your people who are ready no matter what we are going to encounter in the days ahead. So open our ears, our minds, our spirits to you and your word and what the spirit would share with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, so we are gonna be looking today at Luke chapter 21, the instructions that Jesus gave for the end times. We're not gonna be doing a series on the end times. The Bible has much to say about the end times. Today, we're just gonna be focusing on what Jesus said because he had a lot to say um, in Luke 21. And listen, right now, I think it feels like the end times are on a lot of people's minds. Times are getting crazier. And just in the past couple of weeks, there were several different headlines and news stories that caught my attention. Maybe you saw some of these, but let me, let me share them with you what I saw. First one, the doomsday clock. The doomsday clock hits 90 seconds to midnight as the world gets closer than ever to global catastrophe. I'm not sure if you've heard of the doomsday clock before, but it's been around since the 1940s. Um, Albert Einstein and some other atomic scientists uh, put together this panel of scientists and every year they evaluate what's going on in the world. And this year, the, that group of scientists moved the doomsday clock closer to midnight than it has ever been in history. They are now signaling they were at a time of unprecedented danger and humanity is closer than ever to the end of the world. That's a quote from the article. Second, we know that oh, it was almost a year ago that Russia invaded Ukraine. And during that time, man, uh, Putin has you know, done all the saber rattling, including dangling the threat of nuclear war, uh, which, horrific. Just the things that he has even threatened to do. But it was just yesterday that an article appeared that Russia warns it will gain the world's attention on the first anniversary of the Ukraine war. Guess what? That is this month on the 24th. And then in another part of the world, has anybody heard of China this week? 
Yeah, I mean, floating balloons and, you know, we're shooting down balloons and there's other balloons they're saying they're in another part of the world. There are these, these military spy things and whatever they're doing with them. Who really knows what their motivation was? But it, it's been in the news a lot. But then it was just over a week ago that this was picked up by the news that an Air Force general predicts war with China in 2025, in two years. It was four-star general Mike Minahan in a memo sent to all those under his command, the Air Mobility Command. And he said, I hope I'm wrong, but my gut tells me we will fight in 2025. Things are headed in a direction that, are, that is increasingly dangerous globally. But not only from military actors, I also saw an article about a 2025 cyber threat that is coming. A catastrophic mutating event will strike the world in two years, a report says. This comes from the 2023 World Economic Forum report that states that 93% of cyber leaders believe that the geopolitical instability makes a catastrophic cyber event likely in the next two years. A global leader, the Prime Minister of Albania said this, he said, let's imagine an exponential multitude of viruses that mutate every day exponentially while not threatening our body, but the bodies we live in, our organizations, our countries, our system. Then you know it could be just apocalypse. A couple of years away. And much of that is because the rate of cyber crime and the, the uh, amount of money that is being poured into that globally is exponentially increasing. Uh, it's, it's going out of control, but it's kind of like in a hockey stick fashion where it's just more and more and more and more, plus technology and AI and all the things that are being combined with that is what has led them to say that. But hey, entertainment wants to get in on this as well. Did you know that there's like this new movie out? Haven't seen it. Knock at the Cabin. Not my kind of movie. M. Night Shyamalan. It's a movie. About the end of the world. Uh, there's a new uh, cable uh, network TV show called The Last of Us. Apocalyptic. This led an entertainment writer this week to ask this question. Go ahead and put it up. If the world's gonna end... Can I at least go out watching something fun? <laughs> Listen, the end times, the end of civilization and humanity as we know it currently, it seems like we're headed that direction kind of at breakneck speed with everything going on with the nation against nation and all the, the technological advances that are not just being used for positive things, but for very disastrous and terrible means. And into that reality, Jesus speaks. And he has a lot to say. And in Luke chapter 21, almost the entire chapter is devoted to this. And it starts this conversation in, in verse 5 where it says some of 
his disciples began talking about the majestic artwork of the temple, stonework of the temple, and the memorial decorations on the walls. But Jesus said, the time is coming when all these things will be left or will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Jesus, they asked, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? So Jesus uses their question kind of as a springboard. When's all this going to take place? The destruction of the temple, they couldn't even imagine. And, and, and so he uses that question like to jump into this whole long dialogue that goes all the way down through verse 36. We won't be reading all of that today. But note what Jesus does not do here. In this chapter, many of us read this. It was part of our 260 Bible reading plan this week. Many of us read this, and what we note that Jesus didn't do is he didn't, like, pull out an end, end times calendar, like the chart, right? First this, then this, then boom, the end. He did not do that. Instead, Jesus describes the future in such a way that I believe would, want, would compel people to want to ensure that their hearts are ready, that they're personally ready, that they are clean before the Lord and ready for whatever life is going to bring our way. And all of what Jesus describes in Luke 21 is about the future. And what he describes here in hyper-focus is that the end times is going to be absolutely destructive to our world and are going to, it's going to bring terror to many. The end times, he says, is going to be filled with wars, natural disasters, pandemics, scarcity, and supernatural signs. Followers of Jesus are going to be hated persecuted, and many will die. Yay! <laughs> but there's also going to be opportunities to share the good, amazing news of Jesus. That, that's in this chapter. And ultimately, we will see Jesus return because our Redeemer lives. But Jesus' goal here, like I said, was not to set out some kind of calendar events. And so part of what he does in this chapter, and it can be a little confusing if you don't understand this, is that Jesus is mixing a couple of things together as he talks. He's mixing some things that were going to be the immediate reality of the generation that were listening to his voice right then, 2,000 years ago. And he kind of mixes that in with things that are future events for all people who are living at that time. And if you don't read it without understanding, it can be very confusing because when Jesus says, all of these things are gonna take place within this generation, you go, well, the world didn't end. Can I, can I trust what Jesus is saying? No, Jesus was mixing these two things, immediate things that these people were going to be dealing with within their generation. 
many who were listening to Jesus' words actually experienced some of the things that he talked about. Then there are other things that he talks about that says it's going to be for all people who are living at eventually the end. See, the thing is that every one of us has an end time. Not all of us are going to live in the end times. Not all of us will. But every one of us has our own end time, right? So Jesus was kind of talking to both of those realities. What was the immediate, immediate things that he was talking about? He spoke these words in about 33 AD. It was right at the end of his life, was right before he went to the cross. Jesus is highlighting these things to people's attention. It was only 33 years after that, and, and this is all very well historically documented, that in AD 66, about 33 years later, guess what happens? The Jews revolt against Rome. They revolt. There was some things that led up to it. Uh, Rome had done some really stupid things, had put in people who were really terrible leaders, and, and the Jews revolt. Well, guess what happens over the next years? By, by, by AD 70, so just four or five years into this revolt, Rome comes in with overwhelming force, decimates Israel. It is written by Josephus, a, a Jewish historian at that time, that a million Jews lost their lives during those years. In addition to that, Jerusalem and the temple were completely destroyed torn down, the very things that Jesus said would happen took place within that generation. But today, we're going to not be looking at those things. We're going to be looking at what did Jesus say that would be really relevant to you and me who we don't know, but we could be living in the end times, in the last days. So we're going to be focusing our attention on five things that Jesus said that I believe were instructions for people who would follow him. The first one comes in verse 8, where it says, he replied, this is Jesus, don't let anyone deceive you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and saying the time has come. But don't believe them. So the first instruction Jesus gives for the end times is do not be deceived. See, there's evidently going to be these deceiving voices that are just part of the, swirling around in these end times. Deceiving voices. Jesus says that's coming. So he's saying, listen carefully so that you're going to be able to discern my voice and the voice of others that are going to come. So one of the things he says is that many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah. Now, I don't know how many people are going to show up and say, hey, I'm Jesus. I, I don't know. I mean, that could happen. When you read Revelation, there's going to be signs and wonders and even false miracles and things like that um, that are brought about by the enemy, not by God. And, but, but I think that really at the heart of what Jesus is saying here is that there are going to be others who are going to be presenting other gods, small g gods, and other gospels. In other words, 
trying to convince people, deceive people, lie to them that Jesus is not the only way, that he is not the only means of salvation, but you can find salvation through other means. Hey, times are really bad, blah. We need salvation through military might. Right, and people just put their hope in that as if that's going to be our saving grace. Presenting an alternative gospel that's no gospel at all. Or all the way to the other extreme of the gospel of self-actualization. Well, if you just really knew yourself and it's about you, it's about you becoming who you want to be, who you feel you should be. And, and it's like, man, we hear those kind of deceiving voices even now. And Jesus said, don't get sucked in to those lies. There is one savior, there is one gospel. He is our redeemer. He is our savior. And everything else is designed to suck us into this deception that leads us away from him. And he says that there's another deception. The time has come. You know, it's like the sky is falling. And Jesus warns, I believe, about any voice that is designed to create desperation and panic. See, Jesus said that he came to bring peace, not panic. Jesus even said that I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. So when we're walking with the Lord, the Lord of peace, our good shepherd, we do not need to be caught up in panic or terror, some desperation. The time has come. Don't slip in to these things that are deceptions. And he goes on, verse 10. Jesus adds, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes. There will be famines and plagues, pandemics, right? In many lands. And there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. It just gets better. You will be dragged into synagogues and prisons, and you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. not amazing? Wow. That you're gonna be, as we talked about last week, at the right place, at the right time, to fulfill the prophetic assignment that God has in your story. That's amazing. I wanna be ready for that. I wanna be ready to fulfill my mission, my prophetic assignment. So he says, this is going to be your opportunity to tell them about me. And then he goes on. So don't worry in advance about how you will defend yourselves. Interesting thought there. Don't worry in advance about how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you the right words 
and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. This amazing provision. So here's, here's after Jesus gives us like this scary list of all these things that are going to happen, wars and famines and plagues and bah, and persecution. Then he gives us this next instruction. Number two, don't worry about defending yourself. Now, this is, I know, so counterintuitive to everything the world teaches us. Because what does the world teach us? When bad things happen, stick up your fists and get ready to fight. Build a wall of protection. Become a prepper. Right? Like, I'm going to make sure that I am ready for every eventuality. This ain't going to take me out. I'm going to be able to survive. Jesus says this, don't worry about defending yourself. But I want, to, I want you to notice two things that are in that. Number one, Jesus does not say here not to plan. He says not to worry in advance about planning. That's, that's a big difference. He didn't say don't plan. Listen, planning is smart. Like being aware, even this message, I believe is like part, hey man, how do we plan? We see these things coming, how do we plan? How do we prepare ourselves? How do we prepare our hearts? How do we prepare our minds, right? I mean, what, you know, what is the government says, you know, make sure you have at least a few days of stocks and provisions and water and things like that. That's just smart. But what Jesus says is not to worry about it. Listen, I believe that people who are really like true preppers are really kind of driven by what Jesus is saying don't do. In fact, if somebody tries to sell you on prepper stuff, listen, maybe I'll come over to your house and hang out, you know? (laughs) I'm, I'm not dissing you, but you know, but listen carefully to the message because I think the message that people are trying to sell you on something, buy all this stuff, do all these things, It's always driven by worry. And Jesus is saying here, do not worry in advance about how to defend yourself. Now, why? And this is very important. This is the second thing that Jesus says here. He says, because I am your provider. I am your provider. Now, what Jesus says here is he says, I'm gonna give you the wisdom and the words at just the right time so that you're going to be able to, like, no, no one's going to be able to refute you. So much wisdom. The right words, I'm going to give those to you. Listen, if Jesus is going to give us wisdom and words, do you think he's not going to be able to give us other things that we would need in the moment? Like I said, we're only focused right now on Luke 21, but we could go to other places where Jesus very clearly says that I am your provider. I know what you need, so do not worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. Do not be in fear. Do not let panic set into your soul. Do not be driven by marketers who want to use fear and panic to drive you into doing something that you won't be able to do anyway. Because when the end of the world comes, the end of the world comes. But I promise you, by the end of the message, it's going to get better. To get to the third instruction, 
We're going to skip over what Jesus was talking about in Jerusalem. I know many of you read that who are reading in our 260 reading plan. By the way, tomorrow we started, we're in Acts chapter 2. It's awesome. We're skipping over that part. We're going down to verse 34 and 35 where Jesus says this. He's still in the same dialogue. And Jesus says this, says, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness. Carousing, basically, if you study out that word, it basically means partying. It basically means just like chasing after things that are going to lead to drunkenness. Don't be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the anxieties of life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap. For that day, and he's talking about that day, the end day. For that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. So don't get trapped. Don't, don't like get into stuff. So what is his instruction? Number three, don't get trapped by the things of this life. So he talks about like partying and drunkenness. Now listen, when things get really bad, what a lot of people tend to do? Self-medicate. What can I do to make myself feel a little bit better, to alleviate some of this tension and maybe some of the, the worry, the pain that I'm kind of going through? What do people tend to do? They tend to self-medicate. How do they do that? Partying, drunkenness, and friends, that comes in a lot of ways, not just through alcohol or drugs. There's a lot of drugs that we can get trapped by, things that are addictive. Don't need to list all of them because you know what addictions are trying to trap you. But Jesus says, don't get trapped by those things because they will dull your heart. It will cause you to lose your focus at really the most important time in your history and in world history. How this thing all ends. So don't let yourself get dulled by that. But then he also says, don't fall into despair. Like he, he talks about, literally talks about anxiety. Well, man, all these things we've been talking about, could those things be anxiety inducing? Yes. Yes, of course they could be. So he specifically addresses that. That's going to dull your heart. So watch your heart. In a, in a series we did um, a few years ago, called Crushing Anxiety. You can go back and find it in our podcast. It's before we started doing videos. You won't find it on YouTube. But it was really meaningful to me in that series. And, and uh, in conversations with uh, a fantastic friend who's a psychologist, counselor, we talked about anxiety. And out of those conversations and study, we, we brought this definition to our church about what is anxiety. I think we have it there on the screen. Um, anxiety, maybe we don't. Uh, it's all right, we don't. I'm gonna tell you. Anxiety, I meant to put it on the slide. It's not their fault, my fault. Anxiety is the torment of anticipation as we face an uncertain future. 
Anxiety is not the healthy kind of anticipation that we have, like, ah, I don't, you know, I don't know what, how they're going to celebrate my birthday this year, or I don't, you know, you know, am I going to get that raise, or I'm not going to get that raise? You know, those, those things are just normal anticipation. Anxiety is the torment that people feel about uncertainty in the future. That's what anxiety is. But check this out. Jesus is uniquely suited to be the one to help us even when we are feeling anxious. Because we might be uncertain about the future. He is not. In fact, I love in Revelation where where Jesus is like described as the alpha and the omega. That's the first letter and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. The start and the finish. So I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. So guess what? Because he's already been there and he holds all time and history in his hands, we don't have to worry. We don't have to be filled with, with a torment of anxiety, the torment of anticipating an unknown future. We can trust that Jesus will walk us through whatever we need to walk through, friends. Whatever we need to walk through, Jesus is going to be there, right there with us. Verse 36, he goes on, keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape all that is about to happen and stand before the Son of Man. Instruction number four, keep alert in prayer. Something interesting about the Greek language, which most of our New Testament was taken right from the Greek, there's no punctuation. (laughs) So in, in the scripture here, you know, keep alert at all times, period, and pray. I believe that the, the words that Jesus was using were really, there's a combination because I believe that prayer and spiritual alertness go hand in hand completely together. People who are spiritually alert are people who pray. Conversely, people who do not pray, I think lose their spiritual alertness about what is happening in the world and even in their own soul, in their own circumstance. Prayer and spiritual alertness go together. Those of you that have been reading through Luke over these past weeks, have you noticed how many times it says, yeah, and Jesus slipped out to pray? I mean, the Son of God felt it necessary to go and spend time in prayer before he chose the 12. You know what he did? The whole night before, he's out praying, talking with his Father. God, I, I oh man, wouldn't it be great to have heard those prayers? But there was this heightened spiritual awareness and alertness that Jesus walked in at all times. And then guess what he did? He taught us to pray. He taught his disciples to pray. He taught us to like dive into prayer. And when we get to Acts, when we write in this week, you're gonna see the disciples prayed. They were walking in this continual spiritual awareness and alertness. 
that I believe had to do with prayer. And note, Jesus specifically says here, we're to pray for strength. That we'd be strong enough, it says, to escape all that's coming. But what he doesn't say here, check this out, this is very important. He doesn't say, if you pray hard enough, you're not going to suffer any hardships. You won't have to go any through any dark nights. It's going to be sunshine and roses. All you have to do is pray hard enough. That is not what he says. Because he's already promised that hardship is coming. That dark, challenging times are in the mix at the end of, at the end of time. He said, even death. Many of my followers, yeah, you're going to lose your lives. But he says this. He says, pray that you might be strong enough to escape all that is about to happen and stand before the Son of Man. And stand before the Son of Man. Here's what Jesus is saying. Pray to the one who will strengthen you so that no matter what end times you are going to face, maybe even only your own end times. On the other side, you're gonna be in the presence of Jesus. Pray to the one who will strengthen you so that no matter what your story is, what you will go through, pray, stay alert. Don't let your hearts get dulled by the traps of this life. So that when we get to the other side, we're going to be welcomed by Jesus. Last instruction, I'm going to go back to verse 25 through 28. Here's an exclamation point. And again, he gets back into the list of all the challenging things. There will be strange signs in the sun, the moons and stars, in the sky. There's going to be balloons from other countries floating around. (laughs) Strange signs in the sky. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. So he's talking about, you know, he'd he'd previously been talking about wars and, and those sort of conflicts. And now he's talking about even the earth itself. Even the earth itself. The roaring seas, strange tides, terror about what's going to be happening in the, in the heavens. But then he says this, then everyone will see the son of man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand, lift your heads for your redemption is near. So guys, this is his, the, the instruction I want to leave you with. Number five, stand, lift your head, for your redemption is near. Listen, here is the promise. Jesus is coming back. In that is our great hope. Listen, yes, days are dark that we're living in, and they're going to get darker. We don't know, listen, for 2,000 years, people have believed they were in the last days. 
I mean, whenever there's been world wars, we, we, I mean, we weren't, you know, we, very few of us were living in the second world war. None of you were living in the first world war, but it was devastating to humanity, devastating to our world. People thought surely we're in the last days now. The end times are here. Second world war came. Atomic bombs were released. People felt we're in the last days now. I don't know if these are the end times, but I'll tell you, it sure looks like things of history are wrapping up to a concluding point. But our great hope is in the promise of Jesus that I am coming back. When all these things begin to happen, even the most challenging things that we may face in the days of head stand. Lift your heads. Because your redemption is near. Today, I am so blessed that we're going to be participating in communion together. Because the one that we just read about, the one who instructed us, our Redeemer, what are we doing today? We're, we're holding these symbols of that redemption right in our hands. Hector and Dina, would you, would you lead us? I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation, Luke 22, verse 15. Jesus says, I have been eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now, I won't eat of this meal again until the meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As I was reading this, um, when the Lord had showed to me that, share this amongst all of us. None of us are perfect. We all fall short. We all have sin. And that he didn't do it just for one of us or a few of us. He did this for all of us. Yeah. That we could remember this day that when life gets difficult and the world around us is falling apart, that we can stand firm that our Redeemer lives. Amen. So uh, I ask that we partake this bread together. In Ephesians, it says, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is my new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you I'm sorry that was the wrong scripture no, however um, 
in him we have redemption. That's the Ephesian scripture. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according with the riches of God's grace. You know, when I read that, it, it seems like, you know, what I get out of it is without his blood, there's no remission of sins. There's no forgiveness. Uh, so, excuse me, I probably need to put my glasses on. I wrote some, I wrote some notes and uh, my writing is a little small. But it, it represents the shedding of his blood for our sins. Jesus willingly laid down his life for us, for you, for me. Make it personal. He, he, he died for you. You can say he died for me. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die for us, Lord. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Lord, you died for us, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for laying down your life and shedding your blood for us. Thank you, Lord. You may partake of the blood. Hector and Dina, thank you so much. Jesus faced his own end times. Jesus went through suffering in order to bring us life. He went through darker days than I imagine that almost any of us could fathom or undoubtedly darker than any of us will go through. but he did that for you and for me. He did that for all of humanity. That not only can we receive his light and his life, walk in his hope, but that we would be able to share that with others as well. That at just the right time and at just the right place, we'll be able to fulfill the mission that God has for us. So church, let's be alert, let's be ready. Let's be prepared, not because of fear or panic, but because we know that our Redeemer lives. Jesus, we thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you, Lord, for your instruction. Thank you for your peace. If there are any here that this message brought more terror than hope to you. Listen, my, my intent was not to bring this word to scare the hell out of you. It's, it's what we read. It's Jesus' words. But if you feel that more terror than hope at the end of this message, maybe it's because you have not yet met the Prince of Peace the one who has gone before us, who not only suffered and died, but rose again in power and in glory. 
and who will strengthen us for whatever it is that we will encounter in our lives. Man, my hope today, my prayer today is that you would meet him before you leave this room. If there's anybody today that says, I want to know that God of peace, I want to be prepared for whatever is coming. And so I want to surrender my life to him, to Jesus, and receive forgiveness and receive his strength. If that's you today, I want you to just put your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Just look up at me, wave your hand. Yeah, bro, I agree with you. Yes, today's your day. The Prince of Peace, Jesus, is with you. Anybody else? Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Anybody else want to say, today's my day? Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, bro, I see your hand waving. Yeah. Jesus, I pray. The Lord, that each one, Father, who says yes to, to you today or online or tomorrow, that God, that you would flood them with your peace. Flood them with your peace and your hope. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. We're gonna have our ministry team come forward right now and just be available over the next minutes to pray with anyone who is here whether it was related to this message or not. Maybe something I shared about anxiety or, or something I kind of sparked something in you and say, man, you know, that's something that I, I deal with, I struggle with. We want to pray for you. Could we, could we take an unknown future and the uncertainty that all of us have, even about tomorrow, and could we give it to Jesus and invite him into those inner conversations yeah, we can. We got some great people up here who are available to pray. But whatever it is that your need is, we want to pray with you. And especially those who just said, I want this Jesus. Man, please come up. We, in fact, we have a little gift. We have a, a booklet. It's just called Yes. What does it mean to say yes to Jesus? Boy, we want to put that in your hands just to help equip and resource you for the days ahead. Church, you are loved Man, I look forward to being with you next week. We're in week six. We're starting reading in Acts chapter two tomorrow. So read along with us. Next week, we're gonna gather together. We're gonna talk about something from what we read. It's gonna be a rich, rich week as we look at the early days of the church of Jesus. It's gonna be great. You are loved. Have a great, prosperous, hope-filled Sunday. Love you.